Welcome to our latest episode of Southwest Boxing Media Speaks. Kieran, you're from Southwest Boxing Media. Now, Scott, in the words of Anthony Joshua, it was so good we had to do it twice. <laughs> so nice we had to do it twice, Timmy. So ah, there we are. See, I misquoted them already. <laughs> That's not a good start. No. So nice we had to do it twice. There we are. But Scott, just to explain for anyone that's wondering what on earth we're talking about, we had a slight technical hitch, didn't we? But um I think it's amended and we're ready to go now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, I think we're ready to go. Yeah. Great stuff. I hope anyway. Yeah, well, let's hope. So now I'm going to have to ask you the formalities again, Scott, because that previous episode, obviously no one's going to have you. So, Scott, how are you, mate? You all good? How's your week been? Oh, I've had a brilliant week, Key. It's been, uh, it's been fantastic. Out the garden, on the settee, between the two, living life. How about you, Key? Yeah, very much the same, mate, if I'm honest. Uh, more so the garden, and they said, you know, um, my, uh, my son... Back to 50 skin. Yeah, yeah, it's not... Um, it's not coping very well within now, so a few days out of the sun for me, I think. But anyway, Scott, um, the reason we're here today, we've got a, an exciting podcast here. Um, we're going to be joined today by our guest, who is Kieran Gibbons. Now, Kieran Gibbons is a vastly experienced boxing reporter and commentator, who, without making him feel too old, I think has very much seen it all through Welsh boxing and beyond. So, without further ado, let's get our guest on. Kieran Gibbons, how are you, mate? You all good? Yeah, very good, thanks. Uh, thanks for uh, asking me to join you on this your podcast this afternoon. No problem. And Kieran, I just want to say thank you for joining us for the second time. We have explained the technical hits that we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's no problem. No problem. <laughs> First of all, most importantly, Kia, how are you and the family, mate? You all safe and well? Yeah, we're all good. Um, all, no, all coping with the... Uh, the lockdown, I think we're all sort of in a bit of a routine now. Um, yeah. as, as I said, the, 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 well, earlier on, uh, <laughs> for, for me, a Saturday is normally the sort of uh, when I'm normally getting ready for a boxing show, yeah. whether it be whether it be in uh, you know just going to watch or commentate or whatever, or just watching on television or down the local pub. Um, so it is a bit of a that's been the big difference in my life, I suppose, with all this. Um, Lockdown. Yeah, so much change to sort of usual routines, Key, and that's, that's been the, the difficult thing to adapt to, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. And uh, to be honest, Monday to Thursday, I, I don't, it's not too bad. Well, not yeah. too bad. It's, it's not bad anyway, but it's, it's not that and you, not that different from normal. But it's on the weekends I'm finding it um, different. Yeah, a lot more different to what it usually would be for you. Um, have you? I think we're all in, you know, agreeing sort of that we very much got that itch back to um to see boxing get moving again. Key, would you agree? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but but I, I I was missing it basically as soon as the lockdown started. I was missing boxing straight away. Uh, yeah. because because there was a boxing show coming up that I was going to be working on for uh, KOTV, who I work for, who I've worked for for a long time. Um, we we had a, an exciting new. Uh, partnership or a deal, if you like, with a boxing promoter, and we were gonna, uh, we, had, we were gonna produce a show for them and broadcast it on television and on, on online. Oh. But uh, oh, obviously, we, we, as the date was getting closer and the, on the, the the lockdown seemed to be getting stricter and stricter, I was hoping we could squeeze the show in prior to the lockdown. But uh, the lockdown beat us by about a week, I think it was in the end. But uh, you know, it must 
it must be so frustrating, mate. I mean, is this something that an opportunity you hope can still happen, sort of, when things do become a bit more normal again? Yeah, I'm sure it will happen again. But it, this this particular show was a really good show. I'm sure we all know the show, what the show was. Um, yeah. it, well, it would be difficult to work out what the show was. Um, but it was a couple of really good fights on there. Um, for KOTV, I have to sort of organise everything, really, all the production side of it, the cameramen, the commentary, the the logistics of it. I mean, it's not, it's not a massive organisation like Sky or anything like that or BT, but it still does take quite a lot of organising for one person. And yeah. I had a really good team set up. And then to have the uh, to, to have it all, to have the rug pulled from under us through no fault. At the last minute. Yeah, it is frustrating, but... No, it, it could be worse. There's a lot of people out there in a lot worse situation than I am, so I, I can't complain. Yeah, we keep our fingers crossed. Here. Hopefully, you know that's, that that opportunity is still something that arises after um obviously the lockdown passes. Scott, how, how what about yourself, mate? Have you um is that itch turning into a, a big rash to get boxing going again for you? Yeah, I just think uh, with the lack of sport on the weekend, I think there's a void, isn't there? Everybody sort of um. Everybody sort of loves Saturdays and Sundays. We all look forward to, you know, whether you're a football fan, a boxing fan, you know, just watch, sitting down watching the TV, watching Soccer Saturday, looking forward to like a next-gen card or a fight night. And without that, it, uh, it's been a bit, uh, well, been a bit boring and empty, really, on the weekend. It doesn't really feel like a Saturday anymore now, does it? Saturday today feels like another, another sort of day to me. Yeah, well, I'm sure if you speak to the missus, Scott, she's got plenty of jobs <laughs> to keep you off. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, she's good with that, I think. Well. <laughs> well, I think mentioning sort of the itch for boxing to come back that we've got, um, gents, and I think I know a man who is trying to sort of provide the cream, if you like, make the movements, whatever you want to call it. Eddie, and what are our thoughts, Keaton, on um, these behind-the-closed-door shows, and in particular that Eddie Hearn is planning moving forward with Matchroom Headquarters? Um, well, I think, in principle at least, uh, the, the Matchroom Headquarters in Essex is an excellent venue for this type of show. Um, I, I was there about 10 years ago for the Carl Froch andre Ward press conference for their fight, and the, the final of the, the Super Boxing Series, I think it was called. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant venue. I mean, the, 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 the whole... The, the house itself, it's a mansion, not a house. The, the grounds are massive. On that yeah. particular day of the press conference, they had a, a boxing ring in the in the garden there. So, I mean, the facilities are all there, really. It's a, it's a cracking venue. Um, it's obviously all a lot of security. There's fenced, fenced in and high walls. So I, I think if you're going to do boxing behind closed doors, um, it's, a, it's a really good venue to use. Definitely, I agree, Scott. We were talking about it the other day when we, um, after Eddie's Insta Live that he did the other day, where he was sort of giving a bit of a tutorial around the, the garden itself and um, what's going to be used. Scott, we both said that we agree, agree with what Keenan said there. It very much looks, um, you know, a good, a good venue for what he is proposing to happen, doesn't it? It looks unbelievable. And, you know, if he would like to give us some. Um... You know, tickets to social distance key. I think we'd be more than happy to go, wouldn't we? Which key are you talking to now, Scott? You'll have to clear that up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Both so, of us are key then. Uh, yeah, yeah. But all of us, hopefully, yeah, I can give the three of us some tickets to be nice, you know, and we'll obviously keep our, our meters distance from each other. But yeah, it, it looks, it does look immense. Yeah. And I think I prefer the, 
sort of aesthetics of that rather than an empty sort of stadium, the O2 and nobody in. I think outside, I th- I think it'll look better. I think they might possibly feel better watching it as well. I don't know if you agree with that, lads. Yeah, well, Kieran, I, I know Eddie mentioned, um, like obviously, you know, you've been there yourself and seen Eddie mentioned about plans for um trying to make sort of it a bit atmospheric with sort of, you know, the usual music that would be played and things like that. Um, I, I think it is something, you know, that could work. And I, Kira, I know you said um, on the, pre- the previous podcast, as I'm calling it now, about um, the UFC shows, you know, and you felt that that's been working all right at the moment. So do we think um, that this could be something that could match it now? Yeah, I think so. In terms of with the UFC shows, I think what stood out is for a lot of people, I mean, the majority of boxing fans or MMA fans, they probably watch the sport via the television. They've never actually been to a show. And even those who have been to a show, they probably watch from a little bit of a distance away. Whereas perhaps people who work in the media, we get, we're lucky enough to be right up to the ring. So you can hear every single punch. You can hear the noises that perhaps some of the fans miss out on. With yeah. the UFC, with no, with no crowd, you can hear every single kick. You can hear every single punch. You can hear um, when, the, when the heads clash, when the bodies clash. So I think yeah. in boxing, at least initially, that'll be a, a novelty for the fans to hear those noises that you don't normally get to watch or you just, yeah. you just don't notice in, in big fights. Well, Eddie, Eddie did mention that. I, I listened to the podcast. He was on the other day, the Pound for Pound with um, Spencer Olive and Jake Wood. And he did mention that those are one of the things that he thinks will be sort of exciting, you know, and bring, bring excitement for fans moving forward, you know, with the behind the closed door show is that they can, you know, they can hear these um these sound effects if you like. Scott, you had worries, didn't you, about um being the teacher that you are, mate, about the swearing in the corners? How's that gonna pan out during um you know during the intervals in in the rounds? Yeah, I I just can't, I can't understand how they would sort of allow that to happen because how are they going to stop themselves from being emotive, from stopping themselves from swearing? There's go, there's going to be there's going to be uh, uh, cameras and uh, mics near them. I, I, well, it'd be interesting to see how they're going to solve that one. Just um, just a technical point there. Um, I think with the swearing, it's it's after nine o'clock because of the watershed. After nine o'clock, the uh, the commentators don't officially have to apologise uh, right. for the swearing. All right. So I just know from working for S Four C that um, you know you have a meeting before the shows and they say look. But the, the policy is that SOC, if, if there's any swearing at all, you apologise. Even though yeah. by the by the Ofcom regulations and whatever, it's actually anything after nine o'clock you're supposed to apologise for. Sorry, anything after nine o'clock you don't have to apologise for. Anything before, technically, you, you do you're supposed to. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, so I, I think moving forward, that'd be right. And I mean, you know, I think looking at it in a bigger picture, gents, you know, it's... Adrenaline takes over. I think we can all, you know, a swear word you're in there slipping out. I'm sure it's not going to, uh, we're not going to find it overly offensive moving forward, are we? No, no I, well, I, I mean, go on, Keith. No, no, it's gone, Scott. Go on, Matt. Uh, I was going to say, if uh, if you're up with uh, a daughter or a son at 10 o'clock at night watching two blokes, you know, punch each other really, really hard in the face. Is uh, is a swear word going to be the most offensive thing you're going to see or hear no. doing a doing a fight? You know. No, exactly. No, exactly. Key, what was the point you were going to make, eh, mate? 
yeah, I just think just uh, what sort of Scott said, really, in the, in the context of what you're watching, it is a, whatever way you want to put it, boxing is a violent sport where two people are dishing out punishment that could end their lives. So swearing really on the, in the bigger picture is probably no, a very, very minor issue, unless it's something, unless it's continuous and um, particularly offensive. But I think in most cases, that, that wouldn't really be an issue. No, no, I, I think i got to agree there with you, gents. And I mean, suggestions seem to be that um, Dillian White versus Povetkin will be the only pay-per-view of the Garden Shows, being on the final weekend after sort of four weeks running in a row. Um, do we think, gents, most... I'll ask you first, Key. Do we think most will be happy to pay, given the current circumstances and lack of boxing, sport, etc.? Um, no, I mean, I, I, I'm not a, a, a fan of... Pay per view. I mean, no, nobody's a fan of paying money to for anything, really, are they? No, but, no. But I, I, I think pay per view. When you remember, pay per view was brought, was actually stopped in British boxing after the David Hay uh, Audley Harrison fight because it was such a a, a poor fight. A so Sky, yeah. Yeah. So Sky said, "There's no more pay per view now. We're not um, having any pay per view." And then it was actually brought back uh, to make the Carl Froch Kessler rematch. But Sky yeah, at the yeah. time, I mean, if you go back, I'm sure there's interviews online. If you look, Sky were quite specific at the time. They said pay per views are only going to be for the mega fights. You know, Carl Froch Kessler is a mega fight. Everyone... And that was worth every penny, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, Evans happy, but then there's been fights since that have definitely not been um, pay per view uh, worthy. Even like just just a quick example, um, I remember when they first announced Tony Bellew and. Uh, Nathan Cleverly were going to be having a rematch and at the time everyone just presumed that that was going to be on normal Sky Sports Yeah, and I, I just remember the outrage at the time, the, the, the fans were fuming that... yeah. It was a bit of a stinker as well, Key, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, was, it, was, it, was, yeah. it was a poor fight as well I mean that, that didn't help that, things as well, that made things even worse the fact it was such a, a poor fight but obviously you, you're never going to know if a fight is good or not until it actually takes place but in principle, I, I believe that pay-per-view should only be for the, the mega fights or the, the big unification fights. You know, when the top one or two are fighting uh, each other. I think by having pay-per-view as like every other month or well, sometimes twice a month, the way it's been lately, um, I think in, in long term, I think it's just bad for the health of British boxing. Yeah, it's a big ask, isn't it, to be paying out all that. You know, and as boxing fans, sometimes we do get suckered in like sometimes I'll say, you know, I'll be in the gym is up the boxing gym with the boys and we say, oh, I, oh no, I'm not going to buy that fight then. And you go home and there you are, you're on the phone or you're ordering it through Sky, you know. Um, Scott, you, we were having this discussion the other day when we, and I think you sort of agreed with what um, what Kieran has said there, where you think only certain fights should be pay-per-view and you don't agree that this fight, even um, in a normal situation, would be pay-per-view itself. But I just think, I don't know if you agree, Scott, that... It's just the times that we are in where, unfortunately, you know, fights that are not sort of paper worthy are being put out, does it? Do you agree, Scott? Yeah, well, the, the problem is when you start lowering the bar for pay-per-views, then everything else gets lowered down with it as well, isn't it? So then if you're going to put, like Kieran said, cleverly and barely was a pay-per-view, then... It's Povetkin and, you know, wipe the pay-per-view. Well, in comparison to that, yes, it is. Yeah. So I, I think as soon as you start opening the floodgates for pay-per-view, boxing, I think, is only gonna is only gonna go one way. And I think when we look at 
pay-per-view over the last sort of few years is starting to get more frequent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, I agree. And I, and I think, you know, we've talked about some of the fights there. I mean, the one that stands out for me and was the one that I was definitely frowning upon was, the, you know, the two YouTubers that fought um, and that was a pay-per-view. And then the cheek then to sort of have Billy Joe Saunders, an established world champion, on the undercard. What did you make of that, Key? What was your thoughts on that, mate, quickly? Um, I, I just took it as, as a showbiz uh, showbiz type thing. Um, I didn't really take like it. Like an exhibition key, is it? Yeah, well, it's probably more than an exhibition because they, they were they, they were both in there to win. I mean, to be, to be fair to both of them, I, I don't even really know their names, but they, they obviously takes courage and bravery to get a boxing ring. So, so they yeah. re- respect for that. But as, as we've said already, even boxing is a serious game, and and there's people dedicate their lives from a very early age to become professional boxers. And I, I found the whole thing a little bit degrading. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but but it's it's worth noting as well. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the pay per view for that was ten pound. Scott, yeah. it was, wasn't it? I think, yeah, yeah, ten nine ninety nine. I think. Yeah, yeah so I mean yeah. that 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 is a, a lot more reasonable price for a pay per view than I think it's is it nineteen ninety nine now the the standard price in the UK. Yeah, usually about nineteen ninety five. I think in case you're there or thereabouts, definitely, mate. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, a, t- a ten as you know is an acceptable. I mean, I'd still rather not pay a ten. I'm sure all the fans would. would but... <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's more reasonable price, isn't it? That you you know you sort of are maybe more willing to pay and give out. Yeah, and and I hope if Eddie Hearn does decide to put uh, Dillian White's fight on pay per view, I I hope I hope the uh, well, I I hope the, the 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 price is reflected in the fact that there is no crowd there. The atmosphere is probably going to be different. I yeah. think under the border control uh, instructions and guidance. They're only allowed to have five fights on the card anyway. Yeah, uh, last time I looked, so I just hope that the pay-per-view price reflects that. And almost, I mean, Matchroom's a massive organisation. Um, I think I read somewhere they had like seventy million pound in reserves from boxing. Um, so I mean, they, they can afford to to give something back to the fans. I think. Yeah, no, I think that's um, I think that's spot on there, Key. What you said, mate. I agree agree fully with you. Now, obviously, um. Three three Welshmen on a podcast. It's not a joke. I'm starting here on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've got to ask you: Do you think there'll be any Welsh fighters involved on these um, matchroom headquarters shows? I mean, I know there was talk about maybe the Nathan Thorley fight with Chris Billum Smith for the Commonwealth um, title. Whether that will be, I don't know. Maybe possibly Joe Cordina. What do you think, gents? Any Welsh fighters? I think. Uh... Eddie Hearn has asked Frank Warren whether Chris Jenkins will be available to fight Conor Ben, I believe. Right, yeah, that's right. But I, do you know what? I'm speaking, um, as you know, Key, we know Chris quite well. I was on the phone to Chris the other day, funny enough, after hearing that. And like Chris and um, Gary mentioned as well, that, that Johnny Garton fight has still got to happen, I think. And it's a mandated fight. I think that's still got to go ahead first. Uh, I'm not. I don't. I didn't think it was a mandated fight, was it? The garden fight? Oh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. If I, I, you you I, could I, be. Right. You could be right, mate. I'm not sure. I'll be honest. With you. Yeah, I, I think. Well, from what, what I've spoken to with Chris about, Chris seems to be all for saying, and Gary seems to have said as well that, you know, it's all very much about that Johnny Garton fight before even thinking of Ben. So I'm assuming that that is how it's yeah, going to go about. You know. Well, I'm guessing Frank Warren wants basically to keep Chris Jenkins. No, Chris is an exciting fighter, and um, he's got his show uh, Dubois and Joyce to put on as well when boxing restarts. So I'm guessing 
it might be the case that Frank Warren just wants to hold on to Chris to be on one of his promotions because Frank hasn't got a, a lot of big name fighters anymore. To, yeah. to basically, to we top a pay per view to, to sell a pay per view. Whereas mm. Chris now, over the last 12 months or so, he's, oh, he's built up a solid reputation in Britain as an, yeah. exciting, as an exciting fighter. He normally ends up a bloodbath, doesn't it? Oh, but yeah, uh, it always is with Chris, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. yeah. It's always fun to watch. So I'm sure it might be a case that Frank just wants to make sure Chris fights on his card rather than uh, somebody else's. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I think you know, McKay, I think you're probably right. Maybe I am wrong about the um the mandated shout there, but I, I think it's very much that they have got the eyes on getting that garden fight done first, you know, and then having that um which will be a big fight in the UK, the Corner Ben fight. Scott, that's a fight um you've said you'd love to see as well, isn't it? Uh Chris Jenkins and Corner Ben. Yeah, you know, I think it's got all the elements of a fantastic fight. Both both of them love a terror. I mean, when you when you look at Conor Ben, he hasn't had the amateur career as he. I think he's only had you know a handful of fights. So I think don't write Chris Jenkins off in that fight, in my opinion. No, I I agree fully, and and I don't know if you agree as well, Keenan. I mean, you were saying the other day, uh, Eddie was quoted as saying, "No, he said oh, I think um I think the the Chris Jenkins fight is a tough tough fight for um for Conor Ben." And I was sitting there thinking, "Yeah, you bet it is definitely." I I you know it's um. You know, yeah, I, I'd be quite be confident that Chris would beat Conor Ben. I'll be honest with you, as long as I, it, I would. Is I uh, would, would hold up? I, I would. I I got to agree with him. Yeah, you know, you know, Chris is there on merit as the champion, and um, I, I I would put him as favourite going into that definitely. That's one. I think Chris Jenkins, ironically, is one fighter um, who might have actually benefited from this lockdown simply because he you know, he cut so badly, and obviously the only way you can heal eye damage really is by time. Yeah. And he's, he's had a massive breakdown. By the time he gets in the ring again, his eyes will have had you know, plenty of time to heal. So he's probably one of the few fighters that's benefited. Well, benefited in terms of his maybe his long-term career. Perhaps, probably not his bank balance has benefited. But uh... <laughs> No, I think, that's a, I think that's a good point you made there. He definitely... What do we think of it? Just before we move on, um, gents, do we think of any other... Do we think maybe Joe Cordina possibly uh, having a, a, a fight on there? What do we think? Yeah, I think the problem with Joe Cardina now from, from from his management's point of view is he's ready for a step up. Mm, um, yeah. And I'm guessing on these shows, uh, I, I don't think it's probably going to be a massive budget to pay for a good opponent for Joe. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because I think on, on, on the, the 9th of May, was it, or 11th of May show that was meant to be on in Cardiff, Joe, he told me he had um, five potential opponents and I think said two or three of them were ex world champions, and he, he didn't tell me who they were, but he said you'll be really excited when it's announced. Yeah. But I'm guessing those guys don't come cheap. That's why when fans say, Oh, I'd love to see Boxer A fight Boxer B, the problem is Boxer B probably wants a lot of money to fight Boxer A, and that's why sometimes these fights don't happen. Yeah, no, no, that's right. And Scott, I think you'd agree with Kira now when you that um, this is one of the big frustrations in boxing, isn't it, for us as fans? Yeah, I mean, we, we'd make brilliant promoters as fans, I think, uh, <laughs> because I think we, we don't have to deal with the finances and the people. Kia, just quick, uh, Kia would give us just a quick question. What's happening with, do you know what's happening with Lee Selby and sort of Gavin Gwynn, that card? I bought tickets for that. I card, is that going ahead? Or do you think maybe they would be on one of the one of the cards as well? Um, to be honest with you, I think it's all up in the air at the moment. Um I, I guess the Eddie Earns plans when once they start to roll out and they either work or don't work, I think then we, we'll probably know. 
but but as as it's a, yeah. as it's like a rolling situation as such. Um, but but again, I mean, as I just mentioned there, Lee Selby's a former world champion. He he won't be cheap to pay. His opponent, the the Aussie, he was meant to be fighting. He he probably won't well pay in. Mm. Yeah, and with, without a crowd paying any money into it, it's only basically TV money. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, like said, so, so, it's all yeah, so, so sorry to interrupt you, mate, but I was just saying it might just come down to how much maybe Sky Sports or Sky Broadcasting are willing to pay Eddie Hearn and how much Matchroom Sport want to dip in their pockets, basically. To, to, to the, that's, that's what will determine you know, what fights to put on, I guess. Yeah, I think, like you said, we, we haven't really got answers of anything, have we? And it's all very much in the, in the air, as you said, Kian. I think all we can hope for is, is, you know, purely as boxing fans, that the fights that were set and made, you know, still happen. That's all we can hope for, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think I said just fingers crossed and um, well, just see what happened. I mean, try not to get too frustrated, really, is the thing. Yeah. Now, now Kia, I, want, I wanted to come on to you um, and your work. And for anybody who may not know, maybe um, people who are listening from sort of outside of Wales, they may not be so familiar Talk to us. Can you talk to us a little bit about the, the boxing commentary work that you do with S4C, which for anyone who may not know is a, a Welsh broadcasting channel? How long have you been doing that for? You know, how did you get into it? Um, well, when I started boxing commentary, well, I was actually working for um, a TV channel. I don't know if you remember it, Made in Cardiff TV. Ah, yes, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, there's, like, there's Made in Cardiff TV, Made in Bristol TV, Made in Leeds, I think it was. There's a few cities around the UK. Mm. Um, so, so I was working for Maiden Cardiff TV and I, I was just doing boxing interviews for them like with a lot of guys from Guy Lockett's gym and just, just boxers in the sort of Cardiff area really yeah. um, and I was doing a bit of boxing uh, sorry rugby and MMA for them as well uh, and I just was in their office one day having a chat with the, the guy in charge of the channel and his phone rang and uh, he just took a phone call and he sort of looked at me and said oh, can you do boxing commentary and I just so I said oh yeah of course I can and he said, yeah, okay, we got it. So that was the guy from Bristol, made in Bristol television, asking Maiden Cardiff television to provide a commentator for a boxing show <laughs> that they were putting on. Was, was I, this, was talk this about the right time in the right place then. Yeah, he just happened to be in the office that time. And I, it was one of those split second. I could have easily said no. But I just said, yeah, I can do it, no problem. It's quite casual about it, no big deal. Did and you I you wa- have to put subtitles up, Key? <laughs> <laughs> But then I walked out the office and I thought, hmm, I just gotta, I gotta work out now what, what a commentator does exactly. But um, so it's literally, very much thrown in the defender songs, there, Enki. Yeah, but it was a great show. It was an amateur show. It was a Wales versus England show in Hereford. Um, it was an annual event at the time, so I did the commentary on that. And I think when once your name is sort of out there, it's just one thing leads to another to a certain extent. Yeah, and. Um, Sorry, go on, mate. Have, have there been sort of, um, I've got to ask you, Key, have there been any particular shows or fights that you've covered sort of over the years as a standout personal faves for you? Um, well, I covered that as a reporter. Well, it wasn't commentating, but I just done the press conference for the uh, the David Hay Chisora fight. Oh, mega. And I, I did the press conference for that as well. So I did the press conference on the fight. The fight was in Upton Park, if you remember. That was, um, that was a tasty one, to say the least, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the atmosphere was electric for that one. And it was a bit surreal as well, because 
I was uh, sitting next to Tim with a spoon for the whole fight. Oh, was you really? Yeah. Yeah, I was sitting next to Tim with a spoon. So I just sat down in my, my seat. They put a name, you know, your name, Kieran Gibbons, KOTV. So I, I sat down there and then Tim with a spoon basically came over and sat next to me. So I was sitting next to Tim with a spoon for the whole fight. Did you get much chance to sort of chat away with him as well, Keith? Oh, yeah, he's brilliant. Well, I tell you what, what a great guy. If, if you could get a hold of him, he'd be a great guy to have on your podcast. Oh, that'd be awesome. Be awesome stuff. Oh, that's great. So, I mean, coming on to as well, we mentioned um, earlier in the, I think it was this podcast, not the audition. <laughs> <laughs> um, we mentioned KOTV. Could you talk to us about the, the company and your sort of role within it, Keith? I know you mentioned it briefly at the start. Yeah, well, basically, KOTV was my the way I got into boxing media work, really. Um, yeah. Uh, well, the way it started, I, um, Ricky Hatton and Manny Pacquiao were due to have a fight in, I think it was Las Vegas, and they were they had a press conference scheduled in London. So I've always loved Ricky Hatton and Manny Pacquiao, so I thought, well, no, I, I wouldn't mind going to meet them basically. So I yeah. managed to get I managed to get my name down on a, on the press list. I wasn't doing any media work at all, anything at this stage, but I managed to get my name down the press list and went to the press conference. And I thought, well, this is a you know get to meet the boxers, loads of famous boxing people there. It was a brilliant atmosphere. So basically then I, I bought myself a camera, as a, a picture camera, and started going to all the local Welsh shows, taking pictures. Yeah. And um, Boxing News were paying me for the pictures then. I mean, at, the, at the time, there was nobody covering Welsh shows from the internet. So I was probably the first person who started doing it, I guess. There was only like the local newspaper reporter there. Um, me taking pictures for Boxing News and Gareth Jones writing for Boxing News. So that's that's what started, really. Um, and I, I, I mean, sorry to interrupt you there, Kia. I mean, just looking at some of the some of the names that you've you know sort of worked with or interviewed, if you like, and spoken to over the years. I mean, just just to mention a few, you've got the likes of Eubank Senior, Carl Froch, Eddie Earn in his his very much younger days, as I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Um, you know, if you had to sort of pick one interview, maybe this stood out to you, you know, can be for good or bad reasons. Could, was there one that you could pick, Ian? Why? Um, I think probably interviewing Chris Eubank Sr. was very surreal. It just didn't seem real. Um, he was just, no, I, there was me, just a boy from the Valleys, and there was Chris Eubank sitting like a, a metre away from me and me asking him questions about his boxing career. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that was amazing. Just a... I suppose just, my, a mad, just a mad experience altogether, I suppose, was it, key? Yeah, and Chris Eubank, I, I thought maybe the way he acts on television was a bit of an act. But I, I was in the gym, in, the, in his gym in Brighton, and it's not an act. The, the way Chris Eubank acts in public is the way he acts all the time, because that, that's the way he was in the gym. So there's no sort of um, like front or show with him, that's just literally how he is, he's very eccentric, is it? Yeah, eccentric, that's a word, yeah. I mean, he's, he's the only person... I've, I wouldn't use the word starstruck, but he's the only person I've sort of found. It's almost like being in the presence of royalty. He carries himself in such a way that you almost feel that you act slightly different around him, if you like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, whereas, no, mo- I... whereas like most boxers you interview, like even when I, like, I interviewed Ricky Hatton, just for example, the thing that strikes me is how ordinary most boxers are. Once yeah. you get to know them, they're acting. You know, they're so welcoming, and they welcome you in the gym, and they make you a cup of tea, and they friendly. And if you didn't know any different, you just think he's a normal guy. Ricky seems great, doesn't he, Scott? We were talking about um, Ricky Hatton to um, Ali Drew when we had on our podcast a, a couple of weeks ago, 
and she said that she obviously she didn't debut him, but he, he just comes across as such a, a likable, great, like you said, down to earth guy, I suppose, Scott. We were saying with me. Yeah, but I mean, with our with who we've met so far in the boxing sort of fraternity, everybody seems to be quite down to earth. Um, but I mean, Ricky is such a massive personality. He's a British legend. I'd I'd love you know he'd be he'd be definitely my top five people who I'd love to interview. I think moving yeah, forward, yeah, he's such a character as well, Key, isn't he? Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, he was there working with his fighters in the gym, cracking jokes. Um, like I said, it was a, a surreal experience, really. Now, Key, I also saw as well um, through KOTV that you've you spent um, some time down in the down in the gym with the late great Enzo Calzaghi down in Newbridge. Um, I saw one of the videos of when you were down there with uh, Big Enzo was on the pads with him. That's right. I mean, yeah. How was, was the experience of sort of going down to that gym? I mean, oh, you had such a talented stable of fighters. World champions and champions such as obviously Super Joeis and uh, Cleverly, Gavin Reese, Big Enzo, Mark, Kerry Hope. You know, what was what was the experience like going down there, Key? Yeah, well, what it was, I I interviewed Nathan Cleverly for KOTV. He was the very first interview I'd done for KOTV before he fought for the world title. Um, so I was just bouncing ideas off the KOTV producers. You no, know, just basically trying to keep my foot in the door, really. Yeah. So so um I I said I mentioned Enzo Macronelli and said, Oh yeah, Enzo, yeah, interview Enzo, that'd be great. So I, I spoke to Enzo and he's Enzo's real difficult to pin down for an interview. Yeah. I, mean, I, I see him all the time in different shows and you sort of have a bit of banter online. But he, when you actually say, Right, Enzo, when can I interview you? He's not always the easiest to pin down. We found that Scott, didn't we? We we tried because we, we do speak to Enzo quite quite a lot over social media, Scott, don't we? But as for trying to nail that interview, it's been um, been a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, he's uh, he's a bit of a busy guy, Renzo. I know he, he still trains a lot, doesn't he? He puts a lot of videos up him training. Yeah. He does a lot of he does a lot of punditry and commentary work. So yeah, I, I think uh, our buddy Enzo is a very busy guy. Yeah, but I, but I was meant to do Enzo in in the Calzaghi gym that particular day, where that that bit of footage was filmed. Um, mm. but the gym, as you can see in the video, perhaps it was a bit chaotic. Enzo Calzaghi was on top form, cracking yeah. jokes, just screaming, shouting. Um, and Enzo, sorry, Joe Calzaghi's two sons were there, obviously Enzo's grandchildren. So they were yeah. there as well. There's a couple of other guys training, I kind think of a heavyweight who might never actually turn pro. Then Jane, Jane Couch turned up then, because I don't know if you remember Jane Couch. She was doing interviews online as yes, well at the time. Do, yeah. Yeah. So she, she's very loud as well and quite, though, doesn't, she just says it as it is, so to speak. Um, and then to top it all off, and Joe Calzaghi turns up. So. <laughs> um, it was just a, an amazing morning. I mean, I, I was just there to interview Enzo Macarelli, really. That, that was it. But then all. But it, I, it was a, I bet it was an absolute pleasure and experience that you look back on fondly. He was there just to be in, you know, in, oh, in that gym, you know. Yeah, it was like being in royalty, boxing, as me as a boxing fan, a lifelong boxing fan. It was amazing to be, you know, people who I've loved watching over the years and admired. And, um, yeah. well, actually, as it turns out, I didn't actually interview Enzo that day. And I actually interviewed uh, Joe. Oh, what, what experience. Because Joe was, Enzo was, as you saw in the video, he was working on the pads, training quite hard. And I was just sort of standing next to Joe. I was a bit nervous as well. And I was like, oh, do you mind if we do a quick interview, Joe? And he's yeah. like, yeah, 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 no problem. So I, I did a, a, a 10-minute interview with Joe Calzaghi, which again was, you know, one of the, the greatest ever boxers from Britain. 
that, yeah. that leads me nicely, okay? I've, I've got to put it in there because it's a perfect time to ask you. It leads me nicely on to the next question, which is on the topic of Super Joe. For you, personally, I think he is. I know Scott um, disagrees slightly. Is he the greatest British boxer of all time for you? I, I would say certainly the greatest British boxer uh, post-war. Um, pre-war, I just find it difficult to judge how good boxers are because the film footage is not uh, yeah. as good as it is today. So it's, 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 I find it difficult. But certainly, it's either Joe or Lennox Lewis, and I think just Joe for his unbeaten record. Um, yeah. Likely pips it. But if someone put Lennox Lewis, I wouldn't really argue too much about it. And you, you comes out, man, now with his Lennox Lewis show. Go on, Scott, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I mean, when you look at who Lennox fought, I think he sort of fought all the fighters. I mean, that that era of boxing, you know, the, the 90s heavyweight scene, the Holyfield, Tyson, you know, there were so many fantastic uh, heavyweights and they were all brilliant fighters. And I think this Lennox fought them all within their prime. You, I don't think you can really argue that Holyfield was in this. The only one you could say, I suppose, is Mike Tyson, but... That's why I've got Lennox as number one. He sort of beat everybody. He, you know, won the rematch where he lost. Uh, yeah, I, I just got him as, as number one. And Joe is a is a very very close second. Yeah, I yeah. think I've got to I've got to sort of I see the points you're making, Scott. I do, but I I've got to um I've got to slightly lean towards Joe. Go on, Keith. Sorry, I interrupted you, Emmy. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I, I I wouldn't even disagree with what Scott said, but I just think the fact that Joe was able to remain undefeated for so long, for forty six fights. Yeah. And you, you like yeah, Lennox Lewis, perfect example. Lennox, a brilliant, brilliant fighter, but he slipped up twice in his career and he got knocked out twice. I know he came yeah. back to beat those guys, but Joe managed to go. 46 fights without slipping up once except for possibly the Robin Reed fight you could argue the Robin yeah I was I was going to say that's definitely when people need to watch I mean it's, a, it's a definitely a very close fight yeah I mean say. Robin Reed's style was just right for Joe as well his counter punching style he was, he was drawing Joe onto shots and um, it, the shots of Robin were landing were looking like bigger solid shots easier to easier to score easier for the fans to see and the, the commentators to see, whereas Joe's shots were more fast flurries of punches. Yeah, and even the Hopkins fight, Kieran, I think was a, was a definitely a close Yeah, I think well. it was close in the way it was scored, but I, I, I think in that fight, Hopkins should have had at least one point deducted off him, if not two. Yeah. And I think if the referee had made Hopkins fight basically said, look, if you keep on holding, you're basically going to be disqualified. I think Joe would have won a lot clearer. I think the referee allowed Bernard Hopkins to get away with a lot in that fight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Now, now, Keith, something that um, myself and Scott are sort of trialling now is we're going to record the podcast um, in sort of two parts. So what we've done now, we've done the first 40 years, so it's going to be part one. So are you happy, mate, if we just pop off literally two seconds, this one saves, and then back on to record the second part? Are you happy to do that? Yeah, fine, mate. Yeah, whatever. No problem. Great. It's kind of like part three for us, gents. <laughs> it is part two, believe it or not. <laughs> right. Okay. See you in a minute, gents. Yep. Cheers, mate. Welcome to part two of this week's Southwest Boxing Media Speaks with myself, Scott, and Kieran Gibbons. 
Um, something that we are doing now, Scott, is we are going to start recording um, the longer episodes over two parts, mate, down me, so just to clarify that. Yeah, yeah, so it's just uh, to make sure that, that technically-wise it all goes to plan, so yeah, let's get on with uh, part two. Part two, so we are you, Kieran, you're back in the room with us, mate? Yeah, I'm here, mate. Great stuff. Um, now, coming on to sort of the, the next topic I wanted to speak about, gents. Now, going back to the sort of three Welshmen in a podcast again, I want to ask you, Key, who do you personally think will be the next Welsh world champion in the sport? Um, that's a great question. Um, well, I'd say there's probably three potential uh, names on the list. Uh, Liam Williams, yeah. Jay Harris, and... Um, Lee Selby and possibly Andrew Selby, please, probably a couple of fights away, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the first you mentioned is probably, I would say, is probably favourite, in my opinion, to, to be the next world champion um, in Liam Williams, purely because yeah. of the position he's in with being a mandatory as well to fight Andrade. Yeah, I, I think uh, Lee, Liam's probably, uh, he deserves his shot now, certainly by modern day boxing standards, where guys get shots of the titles it's not like in the old days we had to beat the number one contender or whatever but yeah. Liam certainly by today's standards has done more than enough to earn his shot of the world title and I think he's got a great chance of winning as well. Yeah I, I mean Scott we have spoken about um, our sort of predictions for this fight if, if we as we hope it happens so we'll ask Kieran as well. Key, can I you've mentioned there you think he's got a great chance Liam Williams against Andrade um, could I push you so, to to give a prediction for that fight? Yeah, I think the Liam Williams probably on points is the the most obvious, um, the most obvious way the fight will go. I think uh, a lot of it depends on the referee as well. We've already mentioned the referee with Bernard Hopkins and Calzaghi, but um, yeah, and of of course it's going to be it's almost almost certainly going to take place in America. Yeah. Um, so, so they are different factors which you have to consider. But I, I think Liam Williams, um, as a fighter, he's come together now as a, as a uh, no, a, I wouldn't say a perfect fighter machine, but you know, a good fighter machine. He can he can box, he can punch. Yeah. Um, he's got he's got a really good jab, a really you know, excellent jab. Because people see the dramatic knockouts, but they a lot of people miss the fact that he's a really good boxer as well. Yeah, I think he is. A, a, that's something that I've noticed. You know, he is a lovely boxer, and it's just yeah, just seems to be that constant sort of aggressive pressure he puts on fighters as well. And I think that might be something that um, I think he could almost sort of suffocate um, Andrade a bit in the ring, you know, and and could overwhelm him a bit. So I, I do, I give I give Liam a big big chance if and hopefully that fight happens, you know. Yeah, I mean Liam's got a great chance. I mean he's. So, so... It must be so frustrating for him now that just as uh, the, the rumours were the fight was going to take place this summer, I mean, it's probably going to be, I'm guessing, September, well, probably later than September, probably October, November time now, even yeah. later, if, yeah, if, if it does so. happen. But of course, all, all these middleweights now, they, they are almost holding out for the, uh, the, the, the big fights against Golovkin and Canelo, which is, I think that's actually hampering Liam's chances to a, to a certain extent of just getting the shot. Yeah, no, I think that's um, I think that's a good point there. You know, 
Now, Scott Keelan mentioned, um, Keelan gave us three names then. He thought there's potential um, next Welsh World Champions. The second, Scott, I know um, you caught up with him with an insta-live interview. He seems a, a great lad. Jay Harris, talk to us about his chances, Scott. Yeah, I mean, as as we saw with, with Jay in his, in his last fight, I mean, how many people are going to put up that much of a, of a fight that he did? We saw what, what happened when uh, Charlie Edwards got in the, got in the ring with uh, Martinez, and oh. I know it was sort of a no, a no contest, but Martinez I think was going to make light work of Charlie Edwards. I I think Jay has got a great has got a great has got a great chance. I mean, there's there's so many great fighters in that division. I mean, you got that Tanaka is a great fighter from Japan. Uh, I think yeah, he's got a great chance. The way he dealt with Martinez, I think, has definitely put him in put him in line to have another world title shot. I know Eddie Hearn was very, very impressed with him, yeah. which is always good. Uh, personally, though, I think I, I Ashley Brace, the the female sort of um, Welsh or the European title holder we got, Superfly, I I thought was going to move on to become a world champion, but I think she's been inactive. I don't know if you know much about her, Kieran. Yeah, she she had a that big win on that S4C. Well, a bit of a controversial win, wasn't it? If I, if I remember rightly. Uh, yeah. But then, like like you said, she's um, disappeared off the scene for a little bit. I mean, I've spoke to Tony Borg, a trainer, a few times, and he says she keeps on saying she's going to be coming back. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of boxers say that actually they 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 for whatever reason they're out of the ring and they're going to get back in the gym, but they don't. Um, and it's a shame, really, because Ashley Brace is clearly a, a very good fighter. I think she comes from a kickboxing background, so she got a good, you know, a, a long. She, she hasn't started boxing recently, as I'm trying to say. Yeah. And um, I mean, the the pool, the talent pool in with female boxing is not that deep, so it, it wouldn't take much for her to get a, a world title shot. I don't think. So it's a shame no. if she if she has uh, dropped out of boxing. Yeah, definitely. Another little thing I've just been thinking about now as we're talking. Obviously, Gavin Gwynn is fighting for the British lightweight uh, title. If, you know, if slash when he, when he beats Tennyson for that. Do you think potentially there could be a Joe Cordina, Gavin Gwynn, maybe all Welsh world title sometime in the picture? Or is that pie in the sky, do you think? Um, oh, they've already fought, haven't they? Just realised. Yeah, the, the, yeah, it would be a second fight if it was to happen. Yeah, of course. I was there watching. <laughs> Too many beers, I think, that is key run. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was in the Lomachenko undercard. Yeah, it must have been too many beers there for me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Gavin actually put up a great fight that night. He surprised a lot of people, I think, but, uh, with his performance. I, I think yeah, that, definitely. as well, gents, just to mention sort of the last name before we move on, Key, that you said there was, was this. I know you mentioned the Selby brothers, but we, we spoke of Lee first. Um, I think the difficulty in perhaps Lee becoming um, the next Welsh World Champion is the route that he's caught. If we look, I mean, he's fighting that um, Cambosis. Obviously, all being well, he gets through that fight, wins that fight. Just look what he's got in front of him. I mean, that's that mega fight with the winner of Lomachenko and Tio Lopez. I expect Loma to win that fight. How how does Lee beat Lomachenko? Kieran, that's what I'm going to ask you. How does he do him, it? Well, what a question! <laughs> <laughs> but should, he should uh, he should he should speak to Andrew because I think Andrew put him in the amateurs and did a pretty good job against uh, Lomachenko. I, I well, do actually, think I... as well Lomachenko has though become 
over the years. I mean, we know that Lomachenko has got a loss on his record, isn't he? Which is mad to think now. But I think if he thought fought that guy again now, I mean, does does he lose it again? He doesn't, does he? I think he's come on so much over the over the years, you know. Yeah, I mean, that 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 the fight he actually lost was still a very close fight, so that could have gone either way, even then. So. Yeah, and I, I think he, I think he's fought him three times since and beat him three times afterwards, just for just to be sure as well. Oh, there we are. She is. Oh no, no, sorry. You mean you mean in the professionals? Yeah, mean, professional I, ranks. No, ah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah, I know in the amateur ranks he lost as well, and I know he came back and he beat the guy three times. Yeah, no, yeah. in the professional ranks, you know, and and I, I think Guanqi, I'm not going to let you um avoid this. <laughs> how, does, um, how does how does Lee Selby beat him? Does he beat him? Well, he'd obviously be a massive underdog. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm guessing Lee Selby would have to try and fight. I guess you'd have to fight him from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee Selby's got good movement. He, he moves a lot, which sometimes yeah. can be some, sometimes can be to his detriment. Because I, I think when you're moving so much, you can't plant your feet to get decent power. But it's always worked for him uh, up until now. Obviously, apart from the warrant and fight. Yeah, but but I think you'd have to try and fight him that way, really. But it is it's such a you know, a massive task because, as we all know, Lomachenko's got such good footwork um, to try and use your, your your footwork to try and beat someone who's already got brilliant footwork is is not an easy task. Yeah, but, and I think I I think you know out of the three you mentioned as potential next uh, Welsh world champions, I think I I definitely agree with you on the first two key definitely and. Like I said, the only reason I sort of bit of a question mark over um, Lee Selby when is just because of the route he's got. You know, it's just a tough ask, as you've said there. Yeah, but, but I think there's, there's a chance that, um, I mean, even should Lomachenko win that fight, which I guess he's, he's probably, well, he is favourite for, there is a chance he could vacate the title. Yeah, very true. So, so I guess if, if Selby was to beat um, Cambosa, he'd be in prime position then to fight for the vacant title, which I think is what is his management as hoping for at least, even though I'm sure, yeah. Lee, I'm sure Lee would relish the chance of stepping in with uh, Lomachenko. Oh, well, I, I certainly, you know, certainly hope that he can do because um, he's such a great lad, Lee, and, he, and we, uh, we wish him all the very best, definitely, you know. Um, sort of coming to the end, end sort of section now of our, um, our podcast, Peter, and we've got a few follower slash fan questions sent in to us. Yeah. Um, the first one we've got is uh, I, I had to think, but I've got my one for this as well. Out of all the trilogies that we've been blessed with in boxing over the years, which is your fave all time and why? Um, probably Ali Fraser, simply because at the time, well, even now, really, you could, you could argue that the first Ali Fraser fight was the very first time in history where two guys went into the fight as legitimate unbeaten world heavyweight champions. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, Joe Fraser was uh, the unbeaten, sort of recognised world champion by all the governing bodies at the time. Muhammad Ali was still recognised by Ring Magazine as the world champion because he'd been stripped by the official governing bodies. So that was in the first fight. The second fight, a lot of people, because, because the, the first fight and the third fight were so good, people forget the second fight was still a good fight. Ali Fraser yeah. too. Still a cracking fight, and the uh, the third fight, the Thriller Manila, um, possibly the greatest ever fight of all time. Probably oh, special, t- isn't it? Certainly the greatest heavyweight fight of all time. So I, I'd probably yeah. say the uh, Ali Fraser series. 
Scott, I'm going to um, I'm going to jump in just before you, and I'm going to say. I what know exactly what you're going to say as well. Go I on, think I already know what you're going to say. Go on, Scott, you're going to say Gatley Ward. Uh, you're going to say, aren't you? Definitely, I, I can sit. Honestly, gents, I can sit and watch them over and over and over. And I just they were just wars when they they were just three wars and hard. You know, it's definitely my my choice for um for my trilogy. What about you then, Scott? Are you gonna are you gonna agree with one of us, or have you got your own? I I've got my own, believe it or not. Go on, then, Scott. I've I've gone for uh, Sugar Ray and Roberta Duran. Good choice, good choice. Why why is that? Scott? Yeah, I... I know you're a big you're obviously a big Sugar Ray fan. I've heard you um talking so much about them. Yeah, well, you know, with the, with the first fight, Sugar Ray got, you know, sucked into fighting Duran's fight. I know Duran said some terrible things about his wife. I think he got, you know, he called her some terrible things. I think uh, Sugar Ray got um, too emotionally invested in the fight, lost yeah. the fight, obviously. Then he came back and beat, beat Duran. Well, it was that no-mass fight, if you, if you saw it. Yeah, of Duran basically famous, yeah. get, gives up in the ring. And then, obviously, the third and then... Fought him again in '89, and well, a nice uh, unanimous decision. I think one judge had a 120, 110. It was 119, 109. But yeah, I just think uh, it was just a great sort of revenge for the for the good guy over the bad guy. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think um, I think we've gone with three good choices there, gents. Myself. Just a, a point about the uh, the the first Leonard uh, Duran fight. I think everyone agrees now. So as you read the the magazines and stuff at the time from that fight, Leonard fought the wrong fight in that fight, didn't he? And he just wasn't able to change tactics during yeah. the contest. Mm. But that for yeah. me, just to change tack, that shows how great Joe Calzaghi was because he was able to change tactics against Kessler. Yeah, yeah, no, when, that's that's a good point, Decky. And we were talking about our. The greatest ever British fighter. Just the fact, Joe. I mean, Sugar Ray Leonard wasn't able to change tactics on a fight that was clearly going the wrong way for him. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it takes it, it takes a special, like you said, it shows a special quality in in a special fighter to do it, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, but uh, but yeah, it was, uh, but but granted, give give Sugar Ray his, his props. He he was facing Roberto Duran, who was probably a better fighter than Kessler, so. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think you're spot on there. Now the next one we got is key. Um, this is a good one as well. Who is the greatest British fighter you have personally ever seen not to become a world champion? Um, well, what a question. Um, well, I, I'd say up, up until this point, Andrew Selby probably. I know right, he's, okay. he's. I know he's still boxing, so um, I'm not sure if that's. Uh, uh, Harold Graham. Harold Graham, yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, um, the one I was thinking of when I was looking at the question last night. I mean, Nicky Piper came close a few times, just to, uh, from a Welsh perspective. I mean, oh, he's probably he's not on anyone's top ten list, but uh, he came close. Yeah. yeah. Jim Driscoll as well, a Welshman. Jim Driscoll, yeah, I think. I think Jim Driscoll was fighting around the times when. They never used to have judges at the fights. They used to have like what was called newspaper decisions. So, so it's yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so that was sort of at the start of like the 20th century, like 1900, like nine, 1910. Sort of yeah, time. something like that. So basically, because there was so much corruption in boxing at the time, if if a fighter wasn't knocked out, then it automatically was basically a draw. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I think yeah. think everyone when Jim Driscoll fought the world champion, he wasn't able to knock him out. So. He basically didn't win the title, even though everyone, I think at the time, regarded him as the number one in the world in his weight division. 
Yeah, as he didn't win the title. Yeah, and looking at the the next one, we got you and Oki. Um, we've got sort of got three questions, fan questions left. Um, best arena that you have been to when covering a show through either reporting or commentary. Um, well, from Wales, I, I've always enjoyed the Newport Centre. I know it's not particularly glamorous or atmospheric. Uh, yeah, great atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, so you'd say that one from Wales, yeah? Yeah, from a fan's point of view, it was all good seats. It's nice and it's a nice size. Great stuff. Um, next one is through your job, have you ever been lucky? Now, I don't know whether you sort of maybe answered this earlier. Um, through your job, have you ever been lucky enough to meet, interview, or commentate on a fight of one of your idols? If so, who was it and how was the experience? Um, well, I guess a boxer I really admired when I was you know, growing up was Steve Robinson, and he was one of the first guys I interviewed for KOTV. And I, I got to know Steve really well over the years. I see him at different boxing shows, and obviously being in Wales, it's only a small boxing circuit, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what, I, I guess Steve Robinson. What was it, what's, what's it like? I'm interested to know, okay, because we we're obviously very early days into um, our sort of venture with the media work and things. Um, and I've said to Scott, and Scott has mentioned as well. I mean, a, a particular, um, well, my favorite fighter currently is probably Billy Joe Saunders. And I was just thinking, I mean, if I, if I had the opportunity, I mean, he's a lively character anyway, but if I had the, the opportunity to sort of meet an individual, I think I would feel a bit starstruck. Was it that sort of feel for you when you did key or no? Um, I, I don't know. It's just as I said earlier, I think Steve is so humble and so. Ordinary, if you like, with all due respect to Steve, he, he doesn't, you know, Steve could be in a big crowd and he'd probably be able to knock out every single person in that crowd. He'd probably be the quietest yeah. person there. Yeah, so and, did he make you feel sort of at ease, did he, with, you know, and kind of comfortable as if you're just with one of, one of your mates, sort of thing, like? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and Steve is like such a, a humble, quiet guy. He, he's quite difficult to interview, but I've, I've interviewed him lots of times over the years now. But you you got to really like ask the right questions to draw the answers out of him. Yeah, yeah. So you'd say that would be you as then not off of that question, Key, is it? Yeah. Yeah, off, off the top of my head, uh, uh, yeah, that's the most obvious one. Yeah. They're not easy to think of, are they? When you sit there sometimes, like I was looking at some of these that were sent in last night, and I'm thinking, I was trying to think of my own ones, you know, and he's thinking, they're not easy when you're thrown upon, <laughs> and you're just trying to think off the top of your head. But to be honest, um, all the guys have interviewed like. You Ban Carton, well, like David Hay, I've interviewed Andre Ward as well. I mean, it's all, it's, it's just amazing, really, to think. You no, know, it's just, it's a privilege, really, to, to interview guys like that, and uh, I, I realise I'm in a privileged position to do it as well. Oh, definitely, Key. I, Key, I got to ask you. You've brought another question on me now. This isn't a fan question, but I know um, I've seen through obviously KOTV. Um, you spoke with, I think it was yourself, you spoke with Carl Frotch, am I right in saying that? Yep, Carl Frotch, I interviewed Carl a good few times. Yeah, now I know you've spoken um, about, I think I've seen on um, social media you saying about, um, you know, about you, re- you really respect him as a fighter and, and you, how good he was. Do you, going back to Super Joe earlier, you know the you know the old question I'm going to ask yeah. you now, don't I? Yep. Prime for prime, who wins? Super right. Joe or Carl Frotch for you? I think God. Uh... Joe Calzaghi would win relatively yeah, easily. I yeah, I do. I, I think he would have put on a bit of um, bit of a masterclass on him, if I'm honest with you. I yeah. Mean, I think do, so. do you do you agree with this sort of? 
I think he's still living in Carl's head a bit, isn't he? If I'm honest, and I, I don't agree with Carl. Have said that um, you know he chose to he chose to avoid me and he went over to America. I mean, let's be fair. If you had been given the opportunity to fight the names that Joe did at the back end of his career, knowing that it was sort of his last few fights, you're going to take those fights, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Carl was on on the way up, but he wasn't a massive name yet. Joe wanted to cash in, I guess, on his name and fight in America. So he did he did the obvious thing, really. He had the fight with Hopkins, which at the time probably didn't get the recognition he deserved. But when you consider what Hopkins has done since his fight with Calzaghi, went on to win another world title, had some yeah. massive wins. I mean, that win against Hopkins is outstanding, really, for Joe, even though the fight yeah. itself wasn't the best. But then Hopkins makes a lot of fights like that, doesn't he? He's been known for over the years, isn't he? You know, he's always in sort of an ugly, maybe a dirty fight, if you like, you know, and and that's quite that's very much his style, isn't it? So, you know, to go in there and beat them is um is a massive, massive achievement. Yeah, I mean, put it this way, I think Hopkins against Frotch, I think Hopkins would have beaten Carl Frotch. The 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 Calzaghi, sorry, the Hopkins of Fort Calzaghi would have beaten Carl Frotch, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, what, what are your thoughts, Scott? Um, it, I think you have said before me and you've had the discussion. I think you with me and Kieran and saying you think Joe would win that fight in prime for prime with Carl Frotch, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I definitely at the time when um, Kazagi was still fighting, uh, Carl Frotch wasn't the Carl Frotch that he was. I think, uh, I think Joe would have beaten him quite easily. Yeah. Bit of a pointless fight, I think, at the time. I think uh, Carl was sort of chasing a world title, British level, sort of chasing a world title. Joe was, I mean, Joe was having trouble being a super middleweight anyway, hence moving at the light heavyweight at the time. So it never would have happened. I just think, uh, I just think Carl is still a little bit bitter about maybe not having the opportunity. Yeah, I do think, I do like, I do like Carl Frotch, right? And he, you'll probably be to tell us more because you met him personally. I think he comes across on telly sometimes you know, as maybe a bit arrogant sometimes, and you know, he likes to speak a lot of himself. Yeah. Um, is is he sort of like that in person, or is it different? Um, I think Carl probably like a lot of get boxers. I think it, boxers fall into two categories with working with the media. Some people enjoy it and they they relish it, like Ricky Hatton, just for example, and Frank Bruno. They enjoy having a laugh and a joke with the media. And then there's other guys like Carl Froch and then probably Joe Calzaghi, especially in the early yeah. days. That the media work is a bit of a chore for them. Yeah. So you know they they know they got to do it and like just just like uh when I used to go to all the press conferences, so you'd be interview- I'd be interviewing Carl Froch. I'm probably asking him the exact same questions that the other ten reporters have just asked him before me. So but he yeah. to me, you know, he's bored. He's fed up and been asking. How was your training camp? How was the fight going to go? What's his strengths? What's his weaknesses? Yeah. So it's always a bit of a, a tiresome. I know it's part of their job, but they, they, they do get some boxers love it and some hate it. I think Carl would have to admit he he wasn't overly fond of doing the media side of things. Yeah, some like as you say, you know, it um, they prefer just to do their uh, their business and they talking in the ring, don't they? Yeah. Okay, oh, last. Oh, go on, keep going. No, I was gonna say just just in defence of Carl Froch, he, he made a good point on an interview the other day. I think it was with IFL or whoever. I'm not sure. He said. The reason he talks about Joe Calzaghi all the time is because people ask him about Joe Calzaghi all the time. Yeah, that's uh, fair enough. He's not going to say, oh, I think Joe's going to beat me. He's going to say he's a fighter. He's going to back himself. 
So he's, he's yeah. He's... To be to be fair to him, there, I don't think I've ever watched an interview and I listened to his podcast where he just brings up Joe, like you said, he's got to be prompted or he's asked about him before he does talk about it. You know, so I think you're right there, Key. Yeah, although I'm sure he does get absolutely sick to the back teeth of people asking him about Calzaghe all the time. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, there's nothing, there's nothing he can do about it now, really, is it? Because I mean, uh, that's a fight, you know, that was that was meant for prime for prime, and it hasn't happened. So you know, it's one of them, and it's it's never. We'll have opinions on it forever, but we'll we'll never know. Yeah. Um, last one then, Key is the AJ Fury um fight. This is still a fan question. So the AJ Fury. Will it be the biggest fight in British boxing history, hopefully, when it happens for you? And can we have your prediction on it as well? Yeah, certainly I think it's going to be the the biggest fight in British boxing history, probably one of the biggest events in British sport. Two British world heavyweight champions, um, number one and two in the division. Um, And I think think Fury would beat him. And I've said that even before Fury started his comeback. If if you if you got no, I put it on social media that I and I was ridiculed for it at the time, but uh, I, yeah. I said Tyson Fury's style is all wrong for Joshua, and uh, I, I stand by that. I I, I said I'm going to bring Scott back in because I said to Scott, um, I don't know what you thought on this, Haki. I said that I think if, and I do think as much as I'm a big AJ fan, I think Fury does beat AJ. I think the style, like you said, is just all wrong for him. Um. But I think if I think that's the only thing that Fury has got left to answer before he needs to ride off into the sunset, shall we say? And I think if he does beat AJ, I would you then um, sort of catapult him above Lennox Lewis as the greatest British heavyweight ever, or do you think no that you you wouldn't? No, uh, sorry, is it uh, myself or Scott? Uh, that's for you, sorry, because I, I bring Scott in on it as well now. Yeah, no, so, sorry, I think I'd still have Lennox um, there just purely because Lennox Lewis, he beat Mike Tyson, he beat um, Holyfield, whereas Fury, he's beat Klitschko, he's beat Wilder, who I think is a very poor champion, Wilder very yeah, rated, and, yeah. and Joshua, you know, a good champion, but not, not a great champion. Yeah, what about you, Scott? I, I think... Um... Did you, what what are your thoughts on him, mate? Yeah, I think I think it's going to take a lot to dethrone Lennox Lewis. Um, if obviously Tyson Fury was to quit after he beat AJ, then I think it'd be difficult. If he you know continued, maybe beats AJ twice in the rematch as well, which will most probably happen. If he then goes on to beat White, you know I think that's the only way that he's going to come close to you know taking Lennox off the heavyweight British throne. Yeah. But, you know, you can't really fault Fury. This, the heavyweight division isn't what it was of the 90s, is it? So he can only beat and fight who's sort of put in front of him at the moment. Yeah, I think I think what Keelan has said as well, and also you mentioned there, Scott, I think it's a matter of just the era and the names that were in those within those eras, you know, and I think that's what it, what it comes down to when you're weighing it up really, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, right. So last one before we um we leave you, get on with the rest of your day, Key. It feels I, I hope it doesn't feel like to you, Key, that we've been doing this for um three days, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been good, it's been a nice change. Um last one, Key, something we've been asking myself and Scott, um, anyone we speak to through sort of Insta Lives or through the podcast is have you during quarantine, during lockdown, whatever you want to call it, have you learned anything about yourself that maybe you didn't know before? Um, I, th- I think it's just how much 
I rely on sport just to pass my time. Like even when yeah. even when I'm not, I, I didn't realize I watch so much sport as I do. Because I, I got like a little room, like a little office in my house where I got a TV and I, I well, I, I've done it now. I've I've actually got a a Box Nation show on. I don't know who it is. Just got it on in the background. It's I don't know who it is. It's um, Parker against Ruiz when Joseph Parker. Fought. Ah, I remember. That's right. It was out in um, that was out in New Zealand. That fight was. Yeah. It? When he became WBO champion, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I mean, I got that that on in the background. But now there's no live sport. What, what, what do you put in the background? You put old fights on like this. But um, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize I missed. I didn't realize I watched so much sport as I as I do. Yeah, definitely. No, I agree. Scott, are you the same as myself and Keenan? Because I think. I'm with Kieran there. I'm sort of putting on old boxing documentaries, films, etc., to pass time and sort of um, try and keep me going. What about you, Scott? Are you very much the same? Yeah, I mean, the, the, I I can't seem to watch football matches back. I don't know what you know. I, I with boxing, I could watch any sort of boxing match that's been on, you know, in the past. I can't really do it with football. It bores me a bit. But yeah, so I, I end up, you know, watching YouTube, watching documentaries about boxing, looking at, you know, the Sugar Ray and Hagler. We watched that again the other day. Uh, yeah, I just uh, like like what Kieran said. The there's a massive void, isn't there? Sport. Uh, I think it pretty much governs my uh, governs my life. <laughs> you know, boxing and football. I got to be honest, and yeah. without it, it's pretty boring. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, gents, and we we certainly hope that it's um that void can be, be filled again, as we know it, very, very shortly. Well, Scott, is there anything else you would like to um to add or ask Kieran before we uh, we part ways for the day? Um, No, just, uh, you know, all, all the all the best of luck in the future, Kieran. Drop us a message if uh, you've got any, you know, spare press passes <laughs> you want us to take off your hands. <laughs> I will do, mate. I'll put, I put you on my speed dial. Oh, oh thank you. Great stuff. And uh, Kia, you know, I got to mention Jason Thomas. You know him, Kia, don't you? Yeah, Jason, yeah. Well, Jason, all right. He's been pestering me and nagging me, not like Jason, I know, but he's been pestering and nagging me, right? Can you give me a mention on this interview, blah, right? All this. Well, he's having a mention on this podcast for all the wrong reasons. Jason Thomas, stop <laughs> phoning me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Key, honestly, um, on behalf of myself and Scott and Southwest Boxing Media, thank you for joining us on our, um, our podcast today. We really appreciate it, mate. Yeah, no problem, guys. Uh, thanks for asking me to come on, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, Key. We wish you all the very best, mate, and good health as well, and hope you catch up with you soon. Yeah, cheers, boys. Thanks. Have a good day. Take care. Cheers, Keith. Cheers, Scott. Cheers, Scott. Cheers, Scott.